When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, you friends, and welcome to Trashy Divorces, everybody's favorite good podcast about bad relationships. My name is Alicia. Thank you so much for joining us for today's tale of marital misadventure. My name is Stacy. Stacy, who have you got for us today? Today, we're going to get into some supermodel stardom with the story of Linda Evangelista. While she had just one six-ish-year-long marriage, it turns out that her ex-husband would later be described as the Harvey Weinstein of fashion. Oh, no. And we will let you know before we get into some of the disturbing allegations against him if you would prefer to fast forward through that part. Linda Evangelista has had a real medical journey in the last few years, right? That is correct. Yes, she underwent a cosmetic procedure in the 20-teens that that has really changed her face and body, and it has put her through a real process of learning to love and accept herself as she is. Very relatable. Sounds like a lot to unpack in this one. Before we meet our subject this week, Stacy, do I spy a magic mirror? You do. Thank you so much for joining the Internet's very best community at patreon.com slash trashy divorces and enjoying early ad-free episodes, bonus divorces, spider webs, and much, much more. Thank you to Noel D, Margaret K, Pamela M, and holy cats, our newest super supporter, Kelly A. Y'all are the very best. Thank you so much for your support on Patreon. Thank you for coming to join us today. I feel like this season we've done a high fashion ride between Calvin Klein, Mona Von Bismarck. It's time to get to Linda Evangelista. I think we probably need to go, go, go. All right, Stacy, I'm ready to start this high fashion ride. Alicia, as you may recall, back in the heady days of the 1980s and 90s, it was impossible to escape the faces of the world's top supermodels. It was just a cultural thing. They were celebrities. They were featured everywhere. And unlike now, most people knew them by name. One of the brightest of those stars, of course, was Linda Evangelista. Karl Lagerfeld once described her as, quote, the most famous of all. And, quote, the best model in the world. She never looked like the classic American girl next door. Her looks were far more exotic and unique than many of her counterparts. Her face was once described as, quote, like Sophia Loren crossed with a jungle cat. Okay, I need to think about that for a minute, but okay. Okay. The New York Times Style Magazine called her the supermodel's supermodel. And maybe most impressive of all, legendary Vogue editor-in-chief Anna Wintour said no model was more super than Linda. With her extraordinary beauty and tremendous career, it may seem like Linda Evangelista led a charmed life, experiencing zero problems, but of course we know that everyone has their own struggles and challenges, and Linda is no exception. Not one to complain, though, she told Vogue in 2008 about her philosophy on her success, saying, quote, The French have an expression, don't spit in your soup. 
I know I'm in a very special place. I never forget where I would be if I hadn't been born with this face. So let's talk about wee baby Linda. Linda Evangelista was born on May 10th, 1965 in St. Catharines, Ontario, to Italian immigrant parents, Tommaso and Marisa Evangelista. Taurus girl. Canadian Taurus girl, Alicia. I'm sure that changes it. <laughs> She's the middle of three kids. She has an older brother, Jim, and a younger brother, Danny. Her dad worked at the General Motors foundry in their town. Her mom worked as a bookkeeper. It was your typical, hardworking, traditional Catholic family growing up. There was also, of course, a large extended family that lived in the same neighborhood. One of those. This is sort of Lots like your of family. Lots cousins, mm-hmm. yeah. Her house was a modest brick ranch home that still holds good memories for her. In 2016, she spoke with Harper's Bazaar about her journey to modeling and beyond. They actually went to her childhood home and several other places in her hometown to photograph this journey. She said... In my bedroom, you would almost touch both walls from the middle, but at least I didn't have to share it. I had exactly what everybody else had. I didn't have more, and I didn't have less. Her interest in fashion started when she was about 11 years old. She sat her mom down, in tears, and said, I need more outfits. It's so important. Oh, I need more outfits. (laughs) So, you know, everybody's got their thing. So in order to make that happen for her daughter, Linda's mother would take her over the river to Niagara Falls or Buffalo, New York, where the currency went further at that time. Oh, that's smart. So they could afford more. But Linda remembers you'd have to wear the outfit that you had purchased in the United States in the car on the way home so as not to pay the duty at the border. (laughs) That's crafty, Mom. It's one of those like people who get on airplanes wearing like all the clothes they've They would have packed. Thinking about Joey Tribbiani in that (laughs) Friends episode. When she was old enough, Linda worked in order to have more money to buy clothes. She worked at a local jewelry store and a Hollywood wax museum, about which she says, Hooray for Hollywood. Michael Jackson, Marilyn, they were all in there. I was in the booth with the cage around it and I sold the tickets. I always had three jobs. I had to because I needed money to buy fashion. I worked every single minute I wasn't in school. She sure did find the right job for her, didn't oh, yeah. she? she knew. That's she, incredible. She knew what she wanted. As for a car, when she was old enough to drive, she and her brother shared an old bronze Eldorado. But she said, there was a hole in the tank, so every time I turned left, I would lose gas. Oh. <laughs> this is like such a fun childhood upbringing. So sweetly, as she recalled her childhood, she told Harper's Bazaar, You know what? A castle would not have changed my upbringing. Neither would a tent. Wow. In 1977, Linda did some modeling for her local newspaper, which got her noticed by a local modeling agency. Eventually, they suggested that she compete in the Miss Teen Niagara Beauty pageant, and she agreed. In 1981, she was spotted by a talent agent during the Miss Teen Niagara Beauty pageant, She didn't win, but because of that appearance, a few years later, she would sign on to model with Elite Model Agency in New York. that's a big deal. However, her modeling career nearly came to a screeching halt on an early assignment in Japan where she was asked to pose nude. She was so offended that she went to the Canadian embassy and demanded to be flown home. Really? Oh, yeah. After a little while, though, she decided to give modeling another try and moved to New York full time. 
She went directly to her new apartment. I assume she got this sort of sight unseen. And she found, quote, it was full of cockroaches, but I just thought everything was the way it was supposed to be. I did eight to ten go-sees a day for a month, learned to take the subway. I remember going to Soho and it was like going to Mars, just trucks and abandoned buildings. Interesting. Can you imagine? I'm still on the cockroaches part. Yeah, no, That's same. terrible. Same, same. At first, obviously, Linda was barely scraping by. She'd gotten like one modeling job during her first days in New York and says, my mom sent me a hundred bucks here, a hundred bucks there. My only job was for Jean-Louis David, an ad in Mademoiselle. I made a few hundred dollars and Elite told me, don't get disillusioned. We're going to send you to Paris. Oh, will they? Oh, they did. <laughs> So, yes, Linda and two other young models arrive in Paris, and they stayed at the Hotel Saint-André des Arts. That's probably how that's pronounced. Pretty sure. Oui, oui. Her first job there was an editorial magazine cover. The makeup artist made her sit in a room and not move while the rest of the crew had lunch, like, perfectly still. So, for two hours, Linda Evangelista sits perfectly still, alone, in this room, remembering... When she came back in, the makeup artist who had told her to sit still, when she came back, there was a little black powder sprinkled on my cheeks that had fallen, and she went ballistic. (gasps) Yikes! Can you believe? Linda took the incident in stride, however, and stuck with it through some unpleasant experiences like that. Her working class background helped her. She explained, My father worked on a foundry line his whole life, so I understood what a job could be. I was naive, so naive. Many good things happened to me after that, and many bad things happened to me after that. It took me three years before I got to work with great photographers like Arthur Elgort, Peter Lindbergh, and Stephen Meisel. It all fell into place, but it was not quick. It was a very slow climb up the ladder. Even after relocating to Paris, it took Linda a few years to start getting big jobs. Three years after moving to Paris, she landed her first Vogue cover. It was the first of 30 Vogue covers she would do in her career. Holy cats, 30. 30. First and only marriage, Linda married Gerald Marie, the president of Elite Models in Paris in 1987. He's French, right? I believe he is French, yes. Probably Gerard Marie, if we were going to get very French about it. Potentially, yes. Gerard Marie. Yes, he was 15 years her senior. Oh, And after she married him, she dramatically changed her look by chopping her hair into the boyish crop that caused an uproar in the fashion industry. At first, the drastic cut cost her some modeling jobs that she had already booked, but a little bit later, that boyish bob became a trend, and it was seen everywhere. This was a bold move that ended up being brilliant for her career. This is a little like Zoe Deschanel in the bangs. A little bit, yeah. Mm -hmm. That's a good parallel. When asked about the popularity of the cut, she said, sure, I like my short hair. It also quadrupled my rate. I did get sick of seeing it on everybody, though. Every stewardess, every sales clerk, and in every restaurant. After that, she began changing her hairstyle and hair color frequently, which got her the nickname The Chameleon. (laughs) I forgot about The Chameleon. (laughs) Her career began to skyrocket. In 1989, she became the new face of Versace, and then the new face of Revlon in 1990. People magazine put Evangelista on their list of the 50 most beautiful people edition in 1990. This was a busy year for her. She appeared on the cover of British Vogue, 
with fellow supermodels of the day, Naomi Campbell, Cindy Crawford, Tatiana Patitz, Christy Turlington. The cover caused major attention, and the group was then featured in George Michael's Freedom 90 music video. We it all... was a heady, heady time. It was peak supermodel. It really was. 1990 was also when Linda famously said, I don't wake up for less than $10,000 a day, which is often quoted as, I don't get out of bed for less than $10,000 a day. In 1991, Gianni Versace hired Linda Evangelista, Naomi Campbell, Cindy Crawford, and Christy Turlington to walk the runway together for his couture show. The group got a standing ovation, and many in the fashion industry believe this is when the term supermodel began being used to describe this group of women. And earlier, the squad, if you will. Meanwhile, Gerald Marie was still running elite models and was always surrounded by beautiful women. When asked on a Canadian television program in 1991 if she was jealous of the young women that Gerald worked with, Linda said, all those great faces bring profits to his company, which I get to help spend. Ha <laughs> ha. No, I'm not threatened. I achieved all I wanted to achieve. Years later, unfortunately, Gerald Marie would be dubbed the Harvey Weinstein of the fashion industry when several women came forward with stories of various levels of sexual assault. Some of them were underage at the time of this abuse. It's bad. It's bad, bad. We will get into that later with a content warning. There was little publicly known about the marriage between Linda and Gerald, and even their divorce appeared peaceful and quiet, but statements that she's made since the scandal broke hint toward a more tumultuous relationship, and again, we'll get into that later. Around 1991, the two were rarely seen together, and they were living pretty separate lives. Neither commented on what caused the rift or separation, but neither were trying to hide it, either. In 1992, while still married, Linda met actor Kyle MacLachlan at a photo shoot that they were both doing for a Barney's New York ad. It was obvious that they had an instant attraction. It had been rumored that the two slept together on the very first night they met, but in 2020, Kyle MacLachlan helpfully clarified, we didn't get together the first night. <laughs> Let me just get it out of the way, everybody. He continues. Oh, no. We actually got together the second night. Perfect. Either way, the two began their relationship after the photo shoot, and Linda was officially divorced in 1993. Okay. Good place to pause for the cause, and when we come back, we are going to get into the many romances of Linda Evangelista. Oh, it's my favorite stuff. See you on the flip. Sibling fights are unavoidable, but what if every fight you had was under a microscope on a global scale? That's the reality for brothers Prince William and Prince Harry. They were each other's closest friends and allies since the death of their mother, but that all began to crack as they married and took wildly different approaches to their royal duties. Wondery's podcast, Disentel, is hosted by comedians Sidney Battle and Matt Belisai. Each episode unpacks one of pop culture's most iconic celebrity feuds, and they recently took a deeper look into the real reason William versus Harry started. It's actually much bigger than these two brothers, stretching back into the history of the British monarchy. Did their feud start with the royal family's mistreatment of Meghan Markle, or was it something that started much earlier? Follow Disentel on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. 
I'm Dr. Megan Sachs. And I'm Dr. Amy Sloshberg. And we're the host of the podcast Campus Killings. Our show covers some of the most sinister crimes to take place on or around school campuses. Or the cases we discuss have a school-connected theme. And with the new school year comes an all-new second season of Campus Killings, which will debut on September 16th, 2023. But if you want to listen to Campus Killings now, you can binge all the episodes from season one. Available everywhere you listen to podcasts. All right, to be fair, Kyle McLaughlin, pretty handsome. He, yes, yes, yes. And uh, during their six-year relationship, Linda and Kyle were seen everywhere together, and they had very many PDA, public display of affection, photos. It seemed that they could not keep their hands or their lips off of each other. Of his years with Linda, Kyle recently told the Evening Standard, God, we had a ball. It was like a party. I got to submerge myself in the world of fashion I became a bit of a clothes horse, actually. <laughs> Linda opened up the world to me. Well, that's nice. These two were at every party and every nightclub and pictured in every magazine, even in the pages of Vogue. But they also had quieter times at home hanging out with the family. He told The Guardian, the traveling and restaurants, there was certainly a lot of that, but there was also a lot of really great family hanging out fun. That was one of the great things about Linda. She loved to have a good time with friends and entertaining. That's where she's at her best. She loves having people around and a bunch of noise, and we shared that. The two got engaged early in the relationship, but they they never made it down the aisle. Huh. They called off their engagement in 1998, saying they had slowly grown apart. Later, more details would come out about their split, and it sounds basically like Linda wanted to get married and Kyle wasn't. Maybe didn't. Yeah. Again, from that Guardian interview, Kyle said that he was, quote, quite happy just being with Linda. Quote, obviously she wanted more. I wasn't necessarily resistant to marriage, but it seemed like I was, and maybe I was, but I just liked things the way they were. She called it a day. I mean, there's something to knowing what you want. I would like to be married. You don't want to get married. This probably isn't, I mean, no fault, no heroes, no villains. Like, we just want different things. It seems like he has sort of streamlined his explanation of things. So in the recent Evening Standard interview, he was more straightforward saying, I didn't really want to get married as I couldn't see the point and the relationship wasn't really going anywhere. (laughs) There you go. The truth comes out. Lucky for Linda, it did not take her long to move on from Kyle. By 1998, she was in a relationship with World Cup winning French soccer player, Fabian Barthez. The two, wow. I know, right? The two lived in France for a year and were pictured in every European magazine. They were dubbed the Posh and Becks of France. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> the competitiveness between France and England is just, it will never end, will it? it the tale is old as time. Anyway, they have their own. Okay, so in 1999, Linda was thrilled to discover that she was pregnant, but sadly, she suffered a miscarriage about six months in. She was devastated and struggled with depression following the loss. But the relationship was seemingly still going very strong. In a 2000 interview, she said, Everything changed when I met Fabian. I decided to stop my modeling career. It's the best decision I've ever made. I wanted our love to last. I would rather stay with him than travel the world. I've done that for 15 years. I will follow Fabian wherever he goes. Wow. How'd that go? Yeah, that was uh, not quite meant to be. They announced their split in 2002. Okay. 
Now we have a mystery pregnancy. Mystery pregnancy? Mystery pregnancy. In 2006, Linda became pregnant. And of course, everyone wanted to know who the father was, and she was not telling. David Crosby. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. Spoilers, it was not David Crosby. (laughs) She wasn't trying to hide the pregnancy at all. She told reporters that she, quote, embraced the journey to motherhood and said that it did not freak her out. She said she was exercising and doing yoga every day and, you know, living life. She gave birth to a son later that year and still would not reveal who the father was. As it turns out, the boy's father did not acknowledge him until the year 2009. Wow. And soon afterward, there would be an ugly court battle Uh over child support. (gasps) Yikes. But there's another boyfriend there in the mix. While Linda was pregnant, she began dating Hard Rock Cafe founder, the billionaire Peter Morton. Morton was 20 years her senior. Why not? The relationship started in 2006 before they briefly broke up in 2010. Linda and Peter got back together quickly, and Peter stood by her side in 2011 when the paternity of her child was revealed and there was a bitter child support battle raging through 2012. During this time, they became engaged. Mazel. This is like a soap opera. Yes. However, in June of 2013, as all things do... The relationship came to its end. A major point of contention between them was reportedly where they would live. A source close to the pair told the New York Post, Peter is very settled in Malibu and loves L.A., while Linda liked to spend time in Canada and with her friends in New York. Apparently, Peter's family wasn't super supportive of the relationship either, with the source saying, Some members of Peter's family were not too fond of her and were dismayed when she appeared around last Thanksgiving with a large diamond ring on her finger. But the marriage never happened. After the breakup, Peter started dating Demi Moore. Now, this relationship on its own was not particularly controversial, but there were a few raised eyebrows over how they met. It turns out that Demi had been dating Peter's son, Henry, for about six months, and that is how she met the billionaire, Peter Morton. This is literally a soap opera. This is incredible. Holy cats. All right, so let's talk about that child support battle. Tomorrow on Days of Our Linda. <laughs> oh my God. That's about right. So again, Linda did not hide her pregnancy in 2006. In fact, she appeared pregnant on the cover of Vogue, not hiding, but she would not reveal who the father of the baby was until 2012, when she filed court documents to get child support. It turned out that Linda's baby was conceived during a brief relationship that she had in 2005, this lasted maybe four months, with another billionaire, Francois-Henri Pinot, who is now married to Salma Hayek. Unbelievable! The days of our Linda. (laughs) Pinot was the CEO of PPR, a conglomerate that owns Gucci, Yves Saint Laurent, Bottega Venata, and other luxury brands which his father had founded. Forbes estimates his family's wealth at the low, low number of $13 billion. Whoa! When Pinot testified about the relationship in the court battle, he said that the couple had actually only spent seven days together during their four-month relationship. Some wondered why Linda had not asked for child support before 2012. Her lawyer, William Beslow, explained, although she willingly paid all the boy's expenses for most of his life, 
Her roughly $1.8 million a year income took a major hit last year as a contract with L'Oreal ended. It became necessary for her to go to the bullpen and ask the father for help. Well, especially you're a 13 billionaire. Yeah, but how do people get to be 13 billionaires? By not acknowledging their children? Nah, dude, you can uh, cough up a little dough. Okay, so her lawyer continues, Miss Evangelista is not looking to piggyback the lifestyle of Mr. Pinnell. Pinnell's lawyers claimed she was asking for $46,000 a month in child support, which they called just ridiculous. Linda's camp said that was the amount she stated that she was spending on the child each month, but that she wasn't asking for any particular amount of money. Pinot's lawyer claimed Evangelista was now asking for money for herself, not because she needed help supporting their son. Quote, it is the classic case of someone trying to bootstrap herself to something that is alimony. Good Lord. Pinot testified that he was not happy when he learned that Linda was pregnant. He was asked if he thought she had tried to get pregnant, and he replied, I guess so. Pinal admitted in court that he broke up with Linda when she revealed that she was pregnant. She was so happy to be pregnant, he said, but it was not planned. I decided to stop the relationship at that point. Adding, we were dating four months and I didn't even know her very much. His lawyer explained that Pinal was not interested in parenting a baby with Linda and preferred for her to have an abortion. When she refused, his lawyer said that Pinot respected her decision. He testified, She told me that if I didn't want to be involved in raising the kid or stay together and be parents together, she would understand and she will take care of the kid. I told her that I would recognize the baby and I would take my responsibility. Okay, great. Why are we in court, buddy? Well, when he was asked why he didn't pay her anything in child support for the first several years of their son's life, he answered, She didn't ask and I didn't offer. I'm not go- <laughs> just, <Tell> just ways. <laughs> he continues, I'm not going to pay money I'm not asked for. Oh, billionaires. Oh, That's how they get you. We're so lucky to have them. In the meantime, he and his wife, Selma Hayek, had a daughter together who was born just months after Linda's son. No. Linda said that their daughter is being taken on luxury vacations, including a $52,000 12-day vacation to Bora Bora, spends weekends at Pinot Estate near Paris, has bodyguards, and there's a $12 million Los Angeles home in trust for her when she comes of age. Good Lord. Linda's lawyer argued that her son deserves a lifestyle similar to that of Pinot's daughter with Hayek. And taking the witness stand, he revealed he spent a staggering $260,000 on gifts for himself in 2010. This is the baby's father. But could not remember what he had bought his son, Linda's baby, or how much he had spent on him. The New York Post reported on the testimony. He says, I have a watch collection. It's for when I buy a watch for me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God, this is terrible. (laughs) I bought him a present for his birthday and for Christmas, although he admitted that he could not remember what he had bought his son for his birthday. No, he had a staff. He had his secretary buy a gift appropriate for a kid. Right. And (sighs) and for Christmas, he explains, I bought it online. It was a piano thing. Oh. Probably also staff purchased. When the judge questioned Linda on her need for full-time nannies, asking how often she worked, she replied, 
When I work, it can be a 16-hour day. On days when I do not need to work, I am working on my image. I have to hit the gym. I have beauty appointments. I have to work toward my next job and maintaining my image, just like an athlete. In May of 2012, the ex-couple reached some sort of settlement. Lawyers on both sides refused to disclose the amount, of course, because billionaire. But they both released similar statements expressing everyone's relief that the matter had been dealt with. Yeah, we didn't have to go to court. We could have just handled it. Could have. Could have. Wow. All right, so now we're going to get into the sexual assault allegations against Linda's ex-husband. We're going to put an ad break after this section. So if this is something you would prefer to fast forward through once the ads start, we're moving on to other stuff. Okay. All right. In September of 2021, accusations from 15 women against Gerald Marie were brought to the attention of French authorities. The women's accusations ranged from sexual harassment to rape. Marie was one of the most powerful men in the modeling world and was running elite models at the time of this alleged abuse. One of these women was Carrie Otis, a top model in the 90s and a former wife of Mickey Rourke. Otis was 17 when she claims that Marie repeatedly raped her while she was living in the spare room of his apartment in 1986. This does overlap with Linda's relationship with him, but Otis says Linda did not know of the abuse, saying, quote, I was 17 when my abuse took place in 1986, and Marie was living with his partner, Linda Evangelista, who he married a year later. I constantly compared myself to her and felt so much shame over what had taken place when she was out of town and completely unaware of what he was doing. I was a minor, a victim of abuse, yet I entirely blamed myself for everything Marie did to me. Lori Marsden and Lisa Brinkworth are two of his other accusers, and they shared their stories with CBS News. Marsden arrived in Paris at the age of 19. Her agent was Gerald Marie, and she claims he told her she'd be a star. However, at a house party, he attacked her. She explained, he jumped on top of me and he had me pinned down, and he tried to rape me. I finally got out from under him, and then I fled. There was no question that he was there for sex. And the fact that he wasn't stopping and the fact that he was pulling my clothes off, there came a moment where I said to myself, you are going to be raped. Lisa Brinkworth told CBS about an encounter at a nightclub. Quote, Gerald Marie was next to me and he was becoming very, very insistent that we would sleep together. And then all of a sudden, without any warning, he straddled me and pinned me at the back of my chair and sort of simulated sex. And this went on for some time. I was absolutely terrified I was going to be raped. And I was shouting, no, no. Then eventually he got off me. It was just absolutely horrific. So these women are not alone. And unfortunately, there are many similar stories from other young models working for Gerald Marie. He, of course, has denied all of these allegations. His lawyer said that he firmly objects to the false allegations made against him, adding, he remains calm and refuses to participate in the fallacious and dishonest media controversy that has been fomented more than 30 years later. He is withholding his statements for the justice system in which he has complete faith. Oh. Yeah, well, I guess when you can afford lawyers like that. Ultimately, he did not have to deal with the justice system for very long because in February of 2023, French prosecutors closed the case because the statute of limitations for public action had been told already. His lawyer said, with this decision, it is now established that Gerald Marie is and will remain innocent. 
Oh, that turns my stomach. Mm -hmm. As for Linda, she publicly praised the, quote, courage and strength shown by Gerald Marie's accusers. Although she did not make any accusations of her own against him, she said, During my relationship with Gerald Marie, I knew nothing of these sexual allegations against him, so I was unable to help these women. Hearing them now and based on my own experiences, I believe that they are telling the truth. It breaks my heart because these are wounds that may never heal, and I admire their courage and strength for speaking up today. That is heartbreaking. So this is where we will take a break, a little bit of a palate cleanser, and when we come back, we will have the harrowing story of Linda Evangelista's cosmetic procedure mishap. Back in a minute. Okay, Stacy, let's uh, continue on with the days of our Linda. All right, so we have a cosmetic procedure that left one of the world's best-known faces brutally disfigured. In August of 2015, Linda began receiving cool sculpting system procedures to break down, quote, fat cells in her abdomen, flanks, back, and bra area, inner thighs, and chin. Between August 2015 and February 2016, she underwent seven procedures. In the September issue of British Vogue, she said, Those cool sculpting commercials were on all the time on CNN, on MSNBC, over and over, and they would ask, do you like what you see in the mirror? They were speaking to me. It was about Mm. stubborn fat in areas that wouldn't budge. It said no downtime, no surgery, and I drank the magic potion, and I would because I'm a little vain, so I went for it, and it backfired. In 2021, she opened up about her story claiming she had been left, quote, brutally disfigured and, quote, permanently deformed by the procedures and as a result had been living in seclusion for nearly five years. She posted on Instagram, To my followers who have wondered why I have not been working while my peers' careers have been thriving, the reason is that I was brutally disfigured by Zeltique's cool sculpting procedure, which did the opposite of what it promised. So instead of, like, eradicating fat cells in those areas... It increased, the, they expanded. Oh, no. And, quote, left me permanently deformed even after undergoing two painful, unsuccessful corrective surgeries. I have been left, as the media has described, unrecognizable. She told People magazine that she decided to go public with her struggle because she was tired of hiding. Quote, I loved being up on the catwalk. Now I dread running into someone I know. I can't live like this anymore in hiding and shame. I just couldn't live in this pain any longer. I'm willing to finally speak. She explained that within a month or so after her treatment, she started to notice bulging at her chin, thighs, and the bra area, the areas where she had had treated. And so instead of things shrinking as they were supposed to, they were getting bigger. And then those areas started to harden and eventually turn numb. So she went to her kind of go-to to try to solved the problem. So she started dieting and exercising more, thinking that that would help, saying, I was so embarrassed. I just spent all this money and the only way I could think of to fix it was zero calories. So I just drank water or sometimes I would have a stick of celery or one apple. I was losing my mind. Yeah, that'll do that. She went to her doctor in 2016 after not being able to solve this problem She was diagnosed with what is called paradoxical adipose hyperplasia, or PAH. I was like, what the hell is that? And he told me no amount of dieting and no amount of exercise was ever going to fix it. She learned that PAH is a rare side effect that occurs 
when freezing fat cells engenders a reaction in the fatty tissue, which causes the cells to expand rather than breaking down. This is a side effect that occurs maybe in 1% of clients who receive cool sculpting. But Linda said she was not made aware before I had the procedures of this risk. She told people, If I had known side effects may include losing your livelihood and you'll end up so depressed that you hate yourself, I would not have taken that risk. No, absolutely not. In 2017, Linda was advised to undergo liposuctions in order to help the affected areas, probably to try to remove the, the hardened tissue. After the surgery, she had to wear compression garments and a chin strap for eight weeks to help ensure that the PAH did not come back, but it did. And so she underwent another liposuction procedure. She would say later, it wasn't even a little bit better. The bulges are protrusions and they're hard. If I walk without a girdle and a dress, I will have chafing to the point of almost bleeding because it's not like soft fat rubbing. It's like hard fat rubbing. She also said that she can no longer, quote, put my arms flat along my side. I don't think designers are going to want to dress me with that sticking out of my body. I don't look in the mirror. It doesn't look like me. In September 2021, she released further statements, including about her plans to take legal action. Quote, PAH has not only destroyed my livelihood, it has sent me into a cycle of deep depression, profound sadness, and the lowest depths of self-loathing. In the process, I have become a recluse. With this lawsuit, I am moving forward to rid myself of my shame and going public with my story. I am so tired of living this way. I would like to walk out my door with my head high, despite not looking like myself any longer. In the court documents, the lawsuit states that Linda suffered severe and permanent personal injuries and disfigurement, causing her pain and suffering, severe emotional distress, and mental anguish. I would agree with all of that. Yep. And as a result of the alleged disfigurement, the supermodel has experienced economic losses due to being rendered unemployable and unable to earn an income as a model. Linda said that much of the purpose of the lawsuit and sharing her story was about recovering her confidence and sense of self, but also providing comfort to others suffering from similar issues. I hope I can shed myself of some of the shame and help other people who are in the same situation as me. That's my goal, she said, adding, why do we feel the need to do these things? I always knew I would age, and I know there are things a body goes through, but I just didn't think it would look like this. I don't recognize myself physically, but I don't recognize me as a person any longer either. She, meaning herself, is sort of gone. In July 2022, Linda settled her $50 million lawsuit against the parent company of Cool Sculpting. The exact dollar amount was not released, but... She posted on Instagram, I'm pleased to have settled the cool sculpting case. I look forward to the next chapter of my life with friends and family, and I'm happy to put this matter behind me. I am truly grateful for the support I have received from those who have reached out. It gets better. I'm so glad. Mm -hmm. She told British Vogue that she was not cured mentally and still can't look in the mirror, but she is on the road to recovery. She was featured on the cover of that edition of British Vogue, with a story, uh, she admits that she required using tricks of the trade for the photo shoot, saying, It's going to be difficult to find jobs with things protruding from me without retouching or squeezing into things or taping things or compression or tricking. She said, adding that her facial features on the Vogue cover were formed by strategically placed tape. 
That's not my jaw and neck in real life, and I can't walk around with tape and elastics everywhere. So when Vogue asked her if she was afraid that all of this would potentially contribute to the unrealistic beauty expectations and the fantasy of perfection that caused her to undergo cool sculpting in the first place, she said, For photos, I always think we're here to create fantasies. We're creating dreams. I think it's allowed. Also, all my insecurities are taken care of in these pictures, so I got to do what I love to do. So it took some extra work. But she was able, once again, to model sort of at a caliber of where she was before and found that very healing. I'm glad for that. Mm -hmm. That was a lot. That was a lot in that story. There's a lot there. Yeah, yeah. And that that is the story of Linda Evangelista and her, her one and only divorce, but also the soap opera ride. Yeah, definitely a soap opera. But I will say this last segment, I think, is is probably, I think a lot of people can relate to really having to grapple at times with the way our bodies change over the course of our lives. And it, I'm thrilled that she is able to continue to work in some capacity and, and find some healing through that. Stacy, well done. That was a tremendous story. I was n- not prepared, had very little idea of any hmm. of that. That was quite a journey. Do you have trash cans? Do you have halos? I think we're going with halos. All sorts of trash cans for her ex-husband, obviously. But yeah, I think I think Linda herself gets a lot of halos for, in particular, for like becoming very public with, again, this process of like my my body has become this thing I no longer recognize and I am choosing to step forward anyway. Definite, definite trash cans for the ex-husband on that one. I feel, I feel like Kyle McLaughlin should get something. I'm just not sure what. <laughs> he should get a kilt. That's what he should get. He should get a kilt. Works for me. Perhaps some delayed trash cans for the father of the... Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was just... Yeah. I'm going to have to go back and listen to that a few times. That was the, quite a roller coaster. The days of our Linda. Trash Pandas, thanks for tuning in for this week's episode. We will be back with Dumpster Dive this week over on the patreon.com slash trashy divorces if you are an anglophile and want to hear about queen victoria's trashy hanoverian uncles so trashy now's the time to tune in to trashy royals our little adjacent side podcast george the third bad father gotta say it (laughs) trashy sons most verified Mm. and for any of my true crime folks this is the perfect week to tune in to Done and Done. We are going to get into some of these other themes of power, privilege, and justice. Or injustice. As it may be. Folks, we can't tell you how much we appreciate you tuning in, for telling your friends, for your kind ratings and reviews, for your awesome emails, for your support on Patreon. Until we meet again next week. Friends, I hope that you will keep your hands Oh, so clean. We hope that you're going to keep your hearts trashy too. Big love, everybody. Have a great week. Bye. Bye. And thanks to you for listening. Trashy Divorces is a Hemlock Creatives production created and produced right here in Atlanta, Georgia by us, Stacy and Alicia, 
with a little research and writing help from the brilliant Melissa O. Our art is by Sydney V. Smith. That's Sydney V. Smith at carbonmade.com. And our music is used with permission of Ratsy. Check her out at Ratsy's store on Instagram and definitely drop into Ratsy's store anytime you're in Oberlin, Ohio. You can contact us at trashydivorces at gmail.com or find us on the World Wide Web at trashydivorces.com. If you need more trash candy in your life, our Patreon community includes some of the very best humans around and thousands of hours of bonus content at every level of support. Join the fun at patreon.com slash trashydivorces. Interested in some Trashy Divorces swag? Check out our merch shop and Trash Panda Enthusiasm Society at bit.ly slash trashy gear. Want to advertise with us? Reach out to sales at advertisecast.com for more information. And last but not least, come play with us on social media. I keep most of our Trashy Divorces Instagram hopping. Stacy and I share it up over on Facebook, including our Trashy Divorces podcast discussion group. Come join us over there and thanks again everybody for listening. Keep it trashy, y'all.